live this shit, dude. You and me, bro, bro, we both live it. We, I mean, we do. I mean, honestly, that's what, that's what I was going to talk to you about. We do live this shit. That's it. It's a lifestyle, right? I mean... Some people dabble. We don't dabble. We, we went in feet first. Yeah. No backup plan. No backup plan. And that's hurting us. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. Today, I got my old school friend, old school comic, Mike Merrifield. And I said old school in the sense of, like I said, Alonzo Bowden had this quote when we watched Kurt Fox on stage. Oh, man, this guy is hilarious. He goes, he was funny when funny mattered. And that's how I look at you. And like, I'm not going to lie. I left L.A. in 2006. And then I think I went back for something um, a couple years later and I had to readjust my funny. I was like, okay, this is what's well, it's funny now. I said, okay, okay, okay. And it took me a while where you're one of those dudes. And I say old school because you're, fu- I mean, you're going to stay and you're funny. You, you have a, you, your first joke, bam, you know, all through the, not, not just start off strong and strong. Your whole set is strong and you end with a bam. And that's why I say old school. Cause after I, there was a while when I was watching guys on stage and I'm like, they, they had like podcasts. They had, they had, they had a following and you're going, really? This shit, this this right here, and it made me mad, and I wasn't hating, but I was like, really? So this is this is what comedy is now. Yeah, I don't know, but I think now it's easier to reach. I appreciate the compliment, by the way, and I believe you've been doing it since back in the day, too. Isn't it weird that I'm considered like an old school? I'm like an old comic now, and wow. I don't know when that happened, because I still feel like the 24-year-old that started doing stand-up. I don't. I certainly haven't matured any or whatever <laughs> since then, but I, I still feel like I'm a young man. So it's first of all, it's weird to be like an old school comic, I guess. But it was about just how you did on that stage. That was it. You didn't have to have a Twitter account. You didn't have to be good on Instagram. You didn't have to have podcast or whatever, but... You know, I think, uh, I don't know, I don't know how sad you want to get right away, but I feel, <laughs> Go get I there. feel like stand up is a dying thing. I feel like stand up as we know it, the, you know, the, the B room, C room co- club model where it's guys like, you know, you and me who are not nationally known comics, but we can do the job. We're good. That's going to go away. I think this younger generation of people don't, A, they don't respect, um, live entertainment they don't understand how important it is we grew up in a time where you'd be locked in the house and you had television and then there was live entertainment that was the only other option now they have so many options or whatever i just think people like under 30 right now maybe under 35 they don't give a shit about comedy but they'll still go see tom segura they'll still go see kreischer they'll see all these big people at the the upper levels of comedy, but the the journeyman comic like ourselves, who don't necessarily make it to the the national spotlight, the idea of people going to a club and going, hope this guy's good. You think that's like, over? Th- that's over. Okay, dude. that's why. Why it's why it's what twenty one. Ask him that question. What do you think, Wyatt? I would say. I mean, I would say like it's a very good point. Because like you look at like a lot of younger people that haven't gone through like the steps of like somebody starting out and stand up and just like climbing the ladder, like just like starting at the open mic, like the traditional, like start at the bottom, grow your way up. There's a lot of people that have skipped a lot of steps where they build that social media following on Instagram or YouTube. And they're literally selling tickets strictly off of their following they have on social media. So I, I think there's a chance that it could be going away. But at the end of the day, I think there's like, 
I, I think, I think it both will win. Like both there'll be both like in like 15, 20 years, I think they'll still be big time guys. Like you're like a Bill Burr or Chappelle or people that are like selling out arenas. I think they'll still be those type of people. But on the other hand, they'll still be people that are just strictly selling tickets off of their social media following, if that makes sense. Because it's hard to go mainstream, though, because there's no real mainstream. Mainstream used to be ABC, NBC, CBS. Yeah. Like that's how you were considered mainstream if you were on any. There is none of that anymore. Yeah, you can be yeah, on those shows. There's sitcoms. Somebody told me about a sitcom the other day. I had no idea it existed. Which one? Which one? I don't even remember the name of it. But 20 <laughs> years ago, I knew the names of yes. every single show that was and on And that television. was the goal. And that was the goal as a comic. Your goal as a comic used to be... Man, if I can get a Carson, or you get a Carson, or or I get a Letterman, or maybe even Conan. Conan's late night, so he was. Conan was almost like he was almost the start of the um, alternative, and then they don't use that anymore because he embraced it. it. Yeah, okay, he embraced. But at the same time, that was that was the goal. And if you get that golden man, if I can get a sitcom on ABC or NBC, you are golden. Like what Brett Butler? Uh, uh, who else was there? Um, you know, uh, but definitely Seinfeld. Uh, Tim Tim Allen. Tim, Tim Allen. Allen Seinfeld. There was uh, what's his name? King of Queens. Oh yeah. Kevin James, yeah, Kevin James. Uh, 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 Brad Garrett, what you do, work Brad as club. Garrett, yeah. Th- that was the model. But now, in a way, I think it's a little give and take. I think what really helped us so is the pandemic helped us. Um, as far as that go, I because th- I think now, now, no, I think people now they want to get out now. Yeah, I, they I were think so locked in. They want to get out like oh, I just want to laugh. I just want to get. Out. I want to laugh. I want to. And I don't care who this guy is. Uh, in in a, in a certain, if you want to sell out, certain demographic. By certain, the way. Yeah, but, but those people are all going to die in the next twenty years. They're I, not coming out to clubs much longer. You the, know what I'm saying? But, but here's this. Here's the thing. You can, you can get those people in the first show. But it's the second show where you're going to you're going to have to have a a younger uh, talk about something younger or whatever the young crowd that identifies with. But if you go out there now, even though, you know, we think I like to think. We think young, and then you hang around some actual young people. We go, what the oh, fuck, man. man? Yeah. Well, that's what I mean because it happens so gradually that I swear to you, I still feel like I'm a 25 year old comic just starting out. But until you, hang even out talking to the other comics, man, I get a. I'm sure I get a bad reputation for being the old guy, but I can't stand how they call them mics. I give you so much credit. You said open mic earlier. I appreciate that. This younger batch changed it to Mike, and it grinds my gears like you wouldn't believe. And no, and they get pissy if you say open mic, or, or if you call, uh, call if you call them an open mic, or you call them, uh, 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 yeah, I'll call them an open mic. Call them even, an open micer, yeah. Even though they haven't tri- worked, even though they haven't worked, they haven't gotten a dime off of comedy. Right. You go and the open mic, and sometimes I think I forget where I was. Maybe it was in um. I think it was in Harris, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I, I, I hated those people, and I hated I hated everything about that room. But and I remember like no one told us they had a, a they had a, a mic after the regular show. So I was like, oh my god, we got a good crowd. But it was just a lot of dudes waiting to come up after we were. Uh, so yeah. I kind of went longer on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we got some open micers after the show. I mean, I don't think I was doing it on purpose because I hate yeah. I hate everything about that. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody I liked in that room. I'm from from management. To crowd, one crowd member, I forget his name, uh, Rob, I think it was. I like that guy. Other than that, I've always hated Harrisburg. I did it one time. I could have swore it was the last time they were ever going to do it. It was in that really shitty hotel, right? And it seemed oh. like the hotel was going to close down. It yes. Like a hotel. Yes. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm one of the last guys to ever work this shithole. And there was like nobody in the room. And the room was terrible. And just, I got heckled by a drunk Ecuadorian guy, which you never would have thought would have happened there. But 
It was just the worst freaking room. I remember working it and just going, do I even want to do comedy anymore? And there's some of, there's a lot of those rooms. I'll just say it like the loony bins. Like when you work, when I work loony bins, I get so sad when I'm there. You walk in and you smell the, I honestly, in Little Rock, in in Little Rock, I I mean, God bless his soul, Jeff, but honestly, you walk in and you smell 1992. It's terrible. You do. And from, I mean, when you walk in and you got those chairs there and the old eight by tens, you go, oh my God. And you just, you smelled 1992. I mean, and that's, and that's being nice about it. Yeah. Everything. about that room and when you get on stage at uh that little that booth on stage left that's kind of like that wraparound booth right they're always bad they're always drunk and they're all and they're terrible and i don't think i've ever seen anybody get kicked out ever no no ever. they can't because uh everybody pays there too that's the other thing i'll give the looney bins credit for it's also part of their why they Business suck work. is because they don't paper the rooms which at all. is good which is good it's good and bad but if you don't paper you got to do something to get people in there like have I mean, I'll even throw myself under the bus. Have better comics. You need comics that are a draw, but you have to pay them more. You might have to redo your room a little bit so it doesn't look so shitty. Uh, maybe vacuum. Yeah, maybe, maybe vacuum. <laughs> maybe once get, a month. Just maybe vacuum once stuff. a month. It still smells like uh, smoking. Like, it still smells yes. like you can smoke in there. It's <laughs> yeah. what it smells like a smoky bar. And there hasn't been smoking allowed in like 25 years. Yeah. So what are we doing here, you know? I mean, you're, I bet you're right, though. It's like, you know, you... When you leave there, you never feel like, ah, you're always like, you get that check, you go, okay. And That's, then I had a conversation with uh, my buddy Mark Ryan once, and he was like, he just put it right on the table. He goes, all road work does is get you more road work. Yeah. And road work's not good. It's not fun. I mean, it can be fun, like when you're young and you're just getting into comedy. Oh my god! Take as much as you can, but but I think it's but I think it's different now for road. I mean, for guys, I think I don't know. I don't work it like that anymore. That's why. I, that's why I had you on it because I fucking love what you do. I mean, honestly, I saw you were at the Comedy Cabana, and then uh, you know you did uh, the at room in Vegas at, at the Strat at the LA Comedy Club, and then um, you were some other place on the road, and I was like, God bless this dude, man, because you still you put it in, and I was what I was so happy about. That you you produce that uh, it's on what um, uh, well it's on Amazon it, as well uh, it, the stand up journeyman stand up journeyman which I love because that to me is what it's all about before the the TikTok generation and the YouTubers whatever it was guys that you have on your series the journeyman the guys who came they, they literally came up through the con they they, they developed what we call an act yeah and it was like but I mean rock solid act so when they were headliner they were a headline no one skipped the line killers, back then killers no yeah. one skipped the line. So, yeah. and, that, and that's why I respect about you, man, because you still grind it like that. I mean, sometimes it's like you're supposed to send out the avails on Tuesday, and I've been forgetting like the last two months. I've been like, do I? I'm terrible, to be honest with you, man. I'm the fallout king. I just, I randomly send avails here and there, but a lot of the stuff I get is because people had fallouts and they know I'm open, which is weird because then I end up not being open, but most of the work <laughs> I get falls into my lap. I haven't gotten any new work in a while, but um, the good thing is, is I have another job i work for the record label i work for 800 pound gorilla records so about four years ago when i got that job i could start saying no to the shit gigs isn't that the greatest feeling oh my world? god not having to drive you know 12 hours round trip for 200 dollars because you have no other option like you have to get that shitty 200 dollars. i think i worked sue st marie more than any other club looney bins combined included i think it works through st marie michigan and if you don't know where that is they always do this in michigan is at the very very top yeah. and i think i've worked at more than any other club and that is just hell probably yeah, yeah. and when it's just 
every time somebody brings up the UP, it makes me so mad because there's the, all of those casinos, the, um, uh, what are they called? Island casinos. Yeah. There's a bunch of, there's like three of them. And this was a good three casino run 15 years ago. A guy named Chuck Johnson yes. set it up. Yes. And it paid really well. Yeah. Like it paid like real, like almost three grand for the week. Yeah. It paid amazing. And then someone came in and undercut them on the price and someone came in and undercut them and someone came in and undercut them. And I just did it the other day. It was 400 bucks. <laughs> so that's what's wrong with it. For every booker that'll come in and do it for less, there's also comics that'll come in and do it for less. And I hate to say it, but I was one of those guys. But yeah. since I got the job, I can say no to that. But I mean, how crazy is it that when we started, I started 27 years ago. And a headliner made about 200 bucks for the average one-nighter. Yeah. It's 2022. It is 27 years later. The headliner makes about 200 bucks <laughs> for a headliner. The, what other profession has had zero <laughs> increase? But but still, there's a line around the corner to oh get that God, job. Oh, my God. can't wait. We're begging for it. Yeah. Everybody's begging for that, that shit money. Do you remember the first place you worked? The no, first place oh, we met? Oh, man. I think I think it was, and I'm pretty so sure. So bad at this. It was, it was Bismarck, North Dakota. Oh, you, wow. Because I, I was like... Maybe we met before because I think I think I talked to you like I knew you, but you had a you, you had a minivan, yeah, yeah, and you and you had a minivan, and it was a room in Bismarck. You could barely see; it was just dark. You could barely see. You were fucking killing, but you didn't go to my night with me for some reason. I don't know why you were going someplace else, and you were killing. You were on your way someplace. I guess we met each other before, but I just remember that room particular. I go, what, Mike? Where you? What are you doing? Fucking featuring? I mean, what you? Do? You know, what are you opening for me on on a one night? Yeah, I just I think you're being nice because I'm I'm so honest about where I'm at in comedy and who I am as a comic. I was a dog shit comic for the first 15 years. The stuff I've been doing in the last five years, I'm the most proud. Like I'm, I'm the best. You know what's ironic about not being able to get work now because I'm 50 and I'm getting aged out and all these things and I also am lazy. Yeah. But I'm the best fucking comic I've ever been in 27 years. Like, dude, I'm starting to figure this shit out. I'm owning rooms and shit. Okay. You know? Now, why is it because... Is it because society and everything else has changed and you've gone along with it or because you don't give a shit or is it your writing? I mean, is it a, is it a, like the perfect storm of things? Like in a sense of I like, think it's the 10,000 hours thing, man. I've done it for so long, but I've, what I've always felt about comedy is you don't get to a plateau and stay there. Some guys get good, stay that good forever, but I get better, man. Like I figure stuff out, man. Like every time I go up, I get a little tiny bit better. So like in what way though? In what way? I don't know. Like maybe it's just confidence. Maybe it's ex expounding my writing. Like I'll have a bit that, uh, like I am improvise a lot of stuff on stage. Like I'm really good at just like making shit up. Yeah. And, uh, part of it is I used to smoke a lot of weed and yeah. I would forget <laughs> my jokes. Yeah. So I like, they're staring at you. You got to think of something. So I would have to think of something funny. Right. So it was just survival, really. Stupidity combined with survival. But so I'm pretty good at it. And so I just I love it, man. Like the reason I still do it is like during COVID, I mean, three months into COVID, I was like, what what am I? Because I've defined myself as a comedian. Yes. So about three months in, I was like, well, and then I thought, well, maybe comedy won't come back because all, you know, they they scare the shit out of us with this thing. Yeah. I thought people will never want to sit in a room together. And if I never get a get to do stand up comedy again, like, what am I? Like, it was a serious crisis, you know? I and depressed. I used to complain about all the yes. loony bits, all these complaints that are sneaking back in. It's yeah. like I was mad at myself for complaining because there I was on the couch going, man, I'd kill for a loony bin gig right now. Yeah. I would kill for that. And so since I've been back, since we've been back. 
I, I treasure every second I'm yes, on that stage, that is, man. Yes. And I'm trying so hard to get better. I'm trying to get less hacky. I'm trying to use less tricks. I'm yes. trying to just... Be more creative. Just fucking take advantage of the fact that I get to do something that like 1% of the world gets to do. No, that we've always loved. I and mean, I mean love, not just love like, hey, you love you, blah, blah, whatever. I mean, an actual love. It's an addiction, for, A dude. love for the game. I mean, it's like... You know, you can say what you but once you get on that goddamn stage, I don't care how sick we've been. And, and, and the thing about it is, no matter what it is going on in life, especially now at where we are, whatever going on in your in your life, you can make it like a little like a check like make uh like list like talk about this that. And then when you go on stage, even though you might not have it down to a exact science or written it out perfect. You could take that and you can mold it, especially if you're at a, well, no one does a, love the long weeks anyway, except for the Looney Bin, ironically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can, it's, that's the only good thing about those clubs is that you can take a, an idea and mold it. So by Saturday night, second show, hopefully there are no drunks to fuck it up. You can, that bit can come out pretty much golden. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, that's true. You take that and you mold, like somebody pisses you off, you go, oh yeah. And you take that energy and you, I, no one ever could describe it. Comics or whatever is that, Say, you know, you have a, for some reason, you, you know, you get in those ruts where you, it's the same act and then, you know, you don't have Yeah, you there's know. times where you don't come up with things. But then for some reason, so hey, somebody pisses you off or whatever and you take that on stage, it's like the crowd knows that it's authentic and it's real. And That's you get the best it'll ever work sometimes. Yes. Sometimes you can never get it to work as well yes, as when exactly. you were just flying with it off but the stage. But they, they feel yeah. it and you feel and it's that energy and you go, okay, how can I reproduce this? If, if, if I can. Right. If I can. And you're like, what about that worked? I got to remember to do that. Okay. I said that worked that way i gotta say yeah. that but you could be wrong the next it could change the next crowd that's what i love about always it. That's, that's the boss right there that's the boss oh, what up boss yeah man? that's the guy that's white's dad i uh he owns the building is he really <laughs> yeah that's yeah literally. white's dad owns this place yeah literally that's yeah. hilarious it's felling that's white felling that's, that's hilarious that's his dad yeah oh. so when dad leaves white leaves <laughs> okay he's got to walk him out yeah he's got to walk right. his dad his day his dad's the godfather man. all right fair enough yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Just the truth but it's the truth i mean it's like that's why i wanted to ask you like was there ever a time though that you ever because I mean it's I thought that everybody wanted the same goal and when you get in this business but they don't some people they've always just just wanted to be a road comic they just want to be so did you, was your, did you ever just want to be like go to LA or go to New York or I mean, what was your goal when you first started doing this shit I think in the back of my head I was like yeah I'll probably end up on TV I'll probably all of that shit but I also I've been very honest about how good I am. I was dog shit. Yeah. So I knew I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to get good at comedy, man. That was my thing. I was dog shit at it, but I could feel like little pieces. Every now and then I'd be okay at it. And I was like, I got to get to the point where I'm always okay. So to me, it was just, I want to get my 10,000 hours. My goal was just to get good at stand-up comedy. And to this day, if I could get paid just to do stand-up, I would do just stand-up. But it doesn't pay enough money to just do stand-up. You have to do something else. But obviously, I mean, I would just, who wouldn't want to be at Tom Segura or Burt Kreischer's level? Who wouldn't want to be doing friggin' stadiums, you know? Like, I, I would just love to have a room full of people that paid to see me on See purpose. you. Say, yeah, exactly. It. I want to know what that feels like. Vince Moore said it best. He goes, I just want people to pay for valet parking to come see me. Yeah. I thought that was great. Vince is another one. There's so many guys that are fucking amazing that the world's never going to know about because... Vince, I don't know. I don't know. He could be. I don't know. He might have a podcast. I don't know. But, no, no, no. He did. But you know, I mean, you got to be good at Twitter. You got to be good at Instagram. You got to be good at all that shit. And I'm sorry, dude. I'm 50. I don't want to be that old guy. But like, if I could hire Wyatt to do it all for me, I'll just give him all my passwords. And 
But I hope, hope like, you don't siphon money out of your account and figure out a way. Like, well, he probably would. That's the thing. They all know how to do that now. These kids, with yeah, computers. But listen, I don't begrudge those because because it's a different time. And okay, I remember when we came up. Uh, I'm not being bad mouth, but I just remember you know we worked for. Uh, were, you, were you ever a phony bone guy? Were you a phony? Yeah, bone you guy? and I had a very similar trajectory on the phony. Yeah, bones. yeah. Okay, okay. So you do you remember the day when they used to just pay out the ad? They used to pay Steve Rizzo out of the ass. I mean, he got more money, I think, than anybody. Steve yeah. Rizzo. Okay. So you take acts like his or whatever, okay? And then like we he were, murdered, right? Like he he did I, well, right? Yeah. I mean, so I, know, I haven't seen him in a billion years. Yeah. So and then, but. We were coming up and we were hungry and we had no problem like, okay, you know, yeah, like you said, I'll drive 12 hours for $150 to open up for somebody on a one-nighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do that. It's what I'm doing. I'll yeah. sleep in the front seat of a car. That's why I had the minivan. I fucking lived in the minivan. Yeah, man. And, but you were, you had married had kids, so your, your situation was a little bit different. Though. Yeah, I was really, tr- I really needed to make it. That was the, that's the problem. I put too much on it. Like, oh shit, I got a wife and kids. Now I got to make it. But in still a way, have, but, still haven't made it by the way. But, <laughs> but didn't that help though? I mean, oh, that, it's a drive. Yeah, it's drive. Because you knew you couldn't sleep in like, hey, I got people depending on me. Yeah. Where, I mean, that's why I got the minivan. Cause it was like, and I had the minivan that was a little before I had kids, but. Wait a minute. So you took the minivan with, and your kids had to go to school with their mom in a regular no, car? No, it was before they were born when I had the minivan. That was when I, I quit my job. Because I thought, you know what? The only way I'm going to take stand-up comedy seriously is if it's my only income. I have to make yes. it my only income. Yes. So, and I was, and all I was down to doing was I was just part-time driving for a Toyota dealership, and then I was doing morning radio. But I was doing morning radio for free. I was doing third mic for free, just because they would let me do it. And I'm like, hey, I want to get good at comedy. I want to get good at improv- improvisation, and even saying the word improvisation. But. <laughs> Yeah, so I know I forgot what I was talking about because I can't talk. But. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that. Yeah, well, obviously I caught it. See, that's what I'm very honest about how shitty I am. <laughs> well, okay, what was the turning point though for you to realize, hey, I'm not that good, but now I'm getting better, or 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 the the be- your aha moment? You know what it was is, uh, and I think not to compare myself to Louis C.K., but a lot of people have this this moment where they just go. Man, fuck trying to make the clubs happy. Fuck that club manager. Fuck that guy. You know, fuck these crowds. Like, I don't have to do what I think they want. I should do what I want. And I just started just being myself. And I think, you know, the whole finding your voice thing, people say it takes 10 years. It took me like 18 to find my voice. To really, Because the problem was for the first big chunk of my career is I was being what I thought a comedian was supposed to be and not being me. And now I got so sick of trying to be what I thought a comedian was. I thought, well, why don't I just try to be me? And holy shit, if isn't if that isn't what you're supposed to do, and now it works so much better. But I also think and you shouldn't beat yourself up over it. It was where we started. I mean, because it was like, it, to me, if you were a Midwestern comic, right? No matter how good you thought you were, or whatever, right? The big names would always come in, or somebody from L.A. and New York come in, and you're always playing second fiddle to them. And I don't know about you, but I'd be like, oh fuck, I wish I had to act like that, or or they have a different perspective, or whatever. And it, and it was because they were in places that allowed them to be themselves. I mean, you know, like you can say what you want to say about the guy. But but like somebody like uh, an Eddie Griffith or Corey Holcomb, I mean, how they came up and where they were at, being themselves and talking the way they do with that open freeness. Because, I, you know, I came up in a way like, hey, you can't say this or you never worked this club. Oh, OK. And so it's it was hack. a little hacky. So it was like, OK, I just want to be like everybody likes me. and I'm afraid to, 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 to stray off course too much off course. Cause I, I, I've had a couple of times they go, Hey, could you uh, not do that joke by a club owner? Okay. Yeah. You, try to, you know, and it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But an artist would have said, fuck you. That's my joke. And that's what I should have said. But, but we didn't know, but we needed the two 
we needed the work. We needed the work. Two hundred bucks. And yeah, so like. Uh, I hate to interrupt you, but I'll give you the perfect example of that is Andrew Schultz is murdering it right now with crowd work. I'm fucking great at crowd work. I hate to say it, but I'm great at crowd work, but I never do it because clubs used to get mad at me for doing it. We hire you for your jokes. We don't hire you to make fun of your crowd. I got fired from a comedy zone gig in Florida because I made fun of. Vero British, Beach. British people. Vero Beach? No, it was the uh, Vin- Vincentis or whatever. Oh, I got there. kicked out of that club too. I, they, they don't let me go back. Fuck yeah. that guy. Yeah. Fuck that <laughs> yeah. guy. I hope he dies of ass cancer. <laughs> but yeah, fuck him. He got mad. I made fun of I was. I have this whole stupid chunk about British people. And there happened to be a table of British people. So of course I directed directly at them and make it look like it's improv. And he uh, apparently, so the next morning I see that Comedy Zone's looking for a headliner at that gig. And I was like... <laughs> So I emailed him and I go, what happened? Did I get fired? And he texts back, yeah, you got fired. He emailed me back and he wants you to leave the hotel. And I said, well, first of all, he's fucking paying me. Second of all, I'm not leaving the fucking hotel. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm staying here till the end of the weekend. If he doesn't want me, that's fine. But And he said, yeah, you made fun of his audience. That's what he got mad about. I go, those fucking same British people bought four T-shirts from me. They loved it. I made their fucking vacation. So he was just an out of touch fucking asshole that didn't understand that it, that wasn't even crowd work. That was a bit that I just happened to be able to aim directly at the people that the bit is about. Yes. Like, so yeah, that was that thing there. But yeah, I, it's so frustrating when they, they stifle your art. But again, if you want to get laughs in the Midwest, you got to do a chunk about drinking. You got to do a chunk. You know, there's all this. You got to talk about fucking. You got to. There's so many things. That, exactly. I'm sorry, it works. And I'm trying to get paid and I want to come back. So I kind of have to conform a little bit. And that's not what art is supposed to be, man. But you can't explain to people like, hey, I'm an art. I mean, you can't say I'm an artist because they almost laugh you out of that. But like, and then you sit there and then and then all the stuff they tell you not to do, a big name headliner that you go up and, hey, just do 15 and stay with blah, 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 and open up for him. And you might not get a chance to go, if there is a green room. You might not get a chance to go to the green room because that person is in there. And they come on stage and you go, wow, the shit you told me not to do, he's doing he's it. He's literally doing everything yeah. you just told me not to all do. All the shit you told me not to do, they're doing it. And wow, they're getting big laughs and wow. And, you, and they're getting paid at least at least five times more yeah, than me. The hypocrisy and comedy, the fucking double standards and shit, man, bugged the shit out of me. But yeah, that's one of them. Oh, absolutely. You don't be dirty. Don't talk to the crowd. And then you watch somebody murder doing that in the headliner spot. You're like, I don't, I don't understand what you want me to do. And I get, I think some of it is they tell young comics, don't talk to the crowd because they fucking suck at it. Yeah. But if somebody's good at it, let them fucking talk to the crowd. Hey, it, to me, it's trial and error. I just wish there was a club owner who fucking stood up for the comic. Where like, it maybe, maybe, well, okay, case example, me and you worked the Cleveland Improv, uh, well, it wasn't improv, but the improv, uh, the, uh, the Hard Rock in Cleveland. Remember the, the, oh, fir- yeah. the first night, there was these motherfuckers, man, in the front row, why? I don't know if you're listening, why? In the front row, and they're just being assholes. I mean, and so we're making it known that it's not really funny what we're going through right, right now. Right. And you said, and I just remember you going, because she was a cunt. Yes. Right? Yes. She- as a joke, as a joke. And then and then it gets cantankerous, and then those people end up getting up and leaving and walking out. And then the manager comes over. No, no, I, I called her a cunt after she left. Yeah, because she she was heckling. She was just straight up yelling shit at me. Yeah, like and and we're in a casino. I'm expecting her to be removed. Like this is how this works. 
And she finally just decided to leave. I don't think it had anything to do with me. I think she just left. And then I go, oh, I think we're all glad she left because, boy, was she a fucking cunt. Yes. Like, I completely like said that. sarcastically. Exactly like that. I said it in a silly way. I wasn't like, that fucking cunt, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, there's a difference in how you say it. Yes. And now they have the Mike Merrifield cunt rule at, <laughs> at the fucking, at that club. <laughs> Now, have you been, have you been back? I think I was back one time. You yeah. went back, but I didn't. I maybe went, I, once. I didn't even call. I didn't even do that. I was being nice. Now and, that I'm thinking about it, maybe I haven't gone back. I, you know what? I lost a lot of work, and uh, you knew me during this period. But after my divorce, I started writing material about it, and I started like kind of bitching about women on stage, but in a pretty funny way. No, it was funny. It's just that here's the thing about it. Women, man, as long as you're kissing their ass, they love you. But once you tell the truth about them, yeah, yeah. once you start telling the truth, and, 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 and here's- Tell me about it. Once you start telling the truth about women, and, and you can be as honest about it, and it's the truth from situations that happen to you, then they'll, they'll start bitching and go to the club owner. Well, he can't say this. Really? It's fucking true. How about, you know, when you talk about, uh, hey, I've had a woman, I've had a waitress say this to me. I remember in Baltimore at the old slapsticks, she was telling me how like, you know, girls would get drunk and they hook up with a dude and they tell their friends, they go, and her friends are like, well, just, just, uh, just say he raped you. The girl told me that. Her friends say, just say he raped you. I mean, you're going to ruin somebody's life by saying some shit like that? Wow, a, a woman that's willing to ruin a man's life? I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> what a weird concept. You mean a woman would have no thought for how her actions affect a man? That's crazy. That's unheard of in this country. It's ridiculous. This is, sir, stand up straight. I'm so sick of this guy. Wish you could see him. Oh, I know that guy. Maybe how is his head a foot and a half in front of his torso? That's how much he's leaned over. He's anyway. going to come through and he's going to kill. He passes here almost all the time. And one of these days, he's he's going to be like, I've had enough of these motherfuckers. Oh, that's right. They can hear. I yeah, forgot they can they hear. Can hear. I'm yeah, sorry, they, sir. I, I apologize. Yeah, they're going to hear us. I mean, honestly. Look, this is a, she's a lawyer. She's like, sir, I can represent you. <laughs> I think you have a case against this asshole in the fishbowl. And you have no idea how many times I go, no, the best was during the Black Lives Matter rally, whatever, right, seriously? So, like, if these gla if this glass ever broke, what would be done, right? I mean, we're done. I mean, we, 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 well, okay. one of us is done. <laughs> so, so, so Two of us. I forgot about Wyatt. So, so Wyatt was like, hey, come down and, you know, just stand in front of them and just, you know, just, just come down. And I said, okay, man, okay. And it was like, I was so conflicted. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was coming down. And then he told me, you know, not to come, everything, blah, blah, blah. But I just remember thinking... Part of me, this is the Gemini in me, was like, yeah, man, finally, you know, stick it to the man, blah, blah, black. But then I thought, okay, just don't break this window. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Everybody yeah. else, like, like Huntington Bank, they can I afford it. what you're doing, just yeah. not this one. Yeah, not this one. This yeah. guy, I work here, so yeah. it's like, <laughs> I think you can get me. Black Lives Matter and I work here. So <laughs> yeah. there is that. <laughs> yeah, you were my guy. I had a whole plan in place. You, you did, I had, to, I had to, I'm not, not going to lie, I had to bring some diversity here because it was... You know what I mean? No, I mean, seriously, why, here's, here's a part I was like, uh, it touched me because at the time, <laughs> we'd known each other when you were 18, right? 18, 19? Yeah. Okay, so he was, you know how you, know how you get older, you go, okay, this shit is going to, I feel like Black Lives Matter now was a summer project for white kids to get extra credit. <laughs> I really it do. Seemed like. it, it seems like they go, okay, we're going to cure, we're gonna cure 100, 400 years of oppression yeah. in half a summer. Let's make signs. Yeah. That'll fix it, right? <laughs> yeah. If we just all yeah. make signs. If we, if, we take the, if we take that one lady off the, off the syrup bottle, it's yeah. all. That's here. it, right? Yeah. It's over now? Yeah. If we take her off, are we cool? What if we never show reruns yeah. of All in the Family? Does that make us even? Are we even now? Are, are we, we good? cool? So, so I'm like, you know, a little jaded, but why? But why? I, I, from his text, he goes, come on, man, we got to show this city that we're, I'm like, 
this motherfucker really believes in this shit. It's like a fuck. I gotta go down, right? So I was on my no, way I didn't. Be- I mean, I believed in not getting the windows broken. He just wanted you to protect his building. Yeah, yeah, that's but, all I wanted. I, but, you no, to do. I was coming down though, and then and I got as far as I was about t- to the zoo, and they had blocked the road, and uh, and I remember why I go. No, nah, we're good now. I go oh, okay. And I turned around, and went back, but I was like, this motherfucker really believes in and like in that that kind of no, it's America. We're gonna fight what's wrong, and these people are gonna. I'm like, man. Yeah, but he's a rich white kid. You know the truth is, he's like, we gotta put some black people. In front of this glass. I, I, if we yeah, don't have blacks in front of this glass, this could go horribly wrong. 100%. My dad owns this place, and I can't let these windows get broken. I mean, it's the most obvious thing in the world, but you're like, he really believes in the Yeah, world. like, how delusional. No, he's just trying well, to. Well, you are delusional sometimes. I mean, so like, okay, basically, all Black Lives Matter was, and all Me Too is, is civil rights movement and the women's lib movement. That's all it is. It's just renamed. Like anything else in life, it's a circle, but they just rename it. Well, the problem is you put a hashtag on it and you think that's going to fucking help. Like Twitter and Instagram is going to help something. You have to get out on the streets and do real things. Yeah. Like the idea in 2022 that you're an activist because you make posts on the Internet about things. <laughs> you're not shit. You're just an idiot on your phone. Like it doesn't matter what you're saying both ways. Like, I don't care what you're saying. If you're doing it on a phone, it doesn't matter, dude. You got to do it in real life. You got to live it. This idea that. I'm a good person. Check out my Instagram feed. Look at all those positive hashtags I use. Well, that's not going to get you into heaven, dude. <laughs> hashtag grateful. Yeah. Hashtag this. Hashtag that. You know? Well, you know what? Honestly, but it's, it's like this, man. I mean, I look at it like this. I blame the Discovery Channel because before Discovery Channel, it was the History Channel. And they showed all the atrocities. They showed the civil rights marches and the fucking dogs being sicked on. So you go, okay, now that's racism. All right. But then they, since they become Discovery Channel, all they show is basically UFOs. I, I think their philosophy was, listen, it's easier to convince people that UFOs and aliens exist than racism ever did. Well, racism real. Let's show them something that's not. We're getting them all worked up <laughs> no, with the real <laughs> shit. Let's no, they believe, trust me, they'll believe aliens are more real oh, yeah, than yeah. racism. So it's like, you know, like, you know, keep people like, oh, no, racism, it's, oh, that's just back in the day. It never existed. So I guess. I guess now they're going, you know what? Alien, it's easier to tell people that aliens and, and flying saucers exist other than, than racism does. Yeah, they believe the world's flat, but they don't believe racism yeah. is still a thing, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of, it's comical in a way, in a way, but still it, it just grinds my, it grinds my well, The problem is we have billions of people. I mean, you know, and we're not all going to agree on everything. That's the problem. And we try to get like a general consensus from people on things, but Certain people aren't going to give a shit. You can't get four people to agree on a movie. You can't get everyone in the world to agree in this. I'm so tired of the left and the right and all this shit. And like, like they've got my mom and I'm definitely, I'm not on the right. I'm not a Trump guy. I'm not, I think Trump was hilarious. I think he was, he's he's hilarious for all these, you know, snooty fucking political people. And all of a sudden this big dick come, well, allegedly not such a big dick comes (laughs) in there, but he was, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of a black headliner. Like everyone else is okay. And then the yeah. black headliner gets on stage and it's like, oh, shit, this yeah. is real. Now we're really doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you would see like a D.L. Hughley or one of yes. these big, you know, high intensity black dudes on a show that's like me. That's what he reminded me of, because it's like, oh, he's different than everyone. This is yeah. completely different what he's doing. And his level of not give a shit is amazing. But it's not I don't think it's ultimately good for the country. I don't think uh, he, he, I would rather he not run again. I don't think we need to be divided anymore. Let's just move on. It was no, an experiment. More divided. More, 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 more divided. divided. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, yeah. But on if he wasn't running for president at a party, he'd be fucking hilarious he's, to listen I, to. Yeah. Like this guy's cocky as fuck, but he, he's funny as fuck. This old yeah. dude is fucking killing me. Yeah. This old dude's he makes fun of women. He calls women fat and ugly. Only Rosie O'Donnell. 
Like, like, how funny is that? That's a great line. Like, not all women, just this fat pig, Rosie O'Donnell. Like, that's a great bit, man. The fact that you can call a dude's wife ugly and whatever, and he still supports you. Right. Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz got to be the biggest cuck in the world, man. Well, I want to know, like, when he made fun of the handicapped guy, although I hate to say it, but I have friends with disability. Right, buddy, Ryan Niemiller. Sometimes I'll be like, you know, Ryan Niemiller, he's got the, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just I, a way of explaining without saying he's handicapped and doesn't have, I'm like, you know, Ryan Niemiller. And, I hope Ryan would laugh at that if he ever saw it. But of course, know, Ryan's great. I love Ryan. But, but come on, but it's like we all do. Yeah, we. All, I mean, but that's to me. But that's old school shit. I mean, what we talk about that's old school shit. I mean, granted, now some things I'm glad to let because I mean, for some you you always found funny the little the little the little idiosyncrasies between you know stereotypically black comics and white comics. How black comics they'll just get that kind of like you know you start talking about somebody gay or whatever they go the oh, Lord don't like this shit. But yet still they think you know it's funny talking about somebody retarded. Right, right. You can say retarded. But yeah, and they, yeah, but they think that's funny. You come on, say, oh, man, this hilarious. And they go, yeah. you know, Jesus, hey, amen. Lord, don't like that shit. Yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, that's where you draw the line. Yeah, you're very selective about what's funny. Yeah, that's where you draw the line. So that to me, and I, that's why I always said, honestly, at least it used to be, I always thought Mexican crowds were the best. Because they listen like a white audience and laugh like a black audience. Oh, that's funny. I like black. I've, I've always thought black audiences because I find I feel that I'm very authentic. And I think black people have a very good yeah. ability to sniff out bullshit. Yes. Because of racism and yeah. because of the history. They, yeah. they they know bullshit a mile before it's there. Yeah. So when you walk up on stage and you're not. And I've been that guy in front of black audiences. Well, I've I'm been not that guy for black audiences. Yeah. It's like it's. Not good, but if you if you own it and you're funny in the first like minute or so, it's some one of my albums was uh, at the uh, Comedy Zone or the uh, what is it the Stardome, and there was like nine white people in the whole fucking place, and I made it one of my albums, one of the best shows I've ever had. But yeah, I, I just think yeah, it's because you, you're good at sniffing out bullshit. No, the best man, and I'm a, I'm gonna put his name out there because I hate when people don't. I don't mean no disrespect, to him, but it was me and, and it was Cleveland Jackson. And we were in Dayton, Ohio. And we were opening up for uh, God damn, what's his name? Uh, he had, he had the uh, the phone call things uh, uh, out, of, out of Birmingham, not not Roy Wood, but the other dude. Mm. Um, ah, forget his name. Uh, anyway, so it was all black audience, and so I think I headlined like the, the Wednesday and Thursday, and then you know he came in on the stage, and I mean I did okay. I, you know, my act, I mean, at the time was, you know, it's kind of whitish. And, and, and Kevin Bozeman said it best. I go, man, how come black crowds don't like me? And Kevin Bozeman said, it's because you talk about Pearl Jam. That's why. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Look, so, that should have been an easy one yeah, to figure out. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to stay and I survive. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, kind of like that first guy that went all 15 with Mike Tyson. You go, fuck it. Somebody pretty did good. it. Somebody yeah, did it. Yeah. I'm pretty good, right? You so, lost, but you still yeah. won. <laughs> you know, I made it. I'm alive. So Cleveland Jackson goes up. And I literally see him shrink. Like, I'm, I mean, he started out, how's everybody doing? And, you know, so he's on fun hand, man. By the end of his, I think he did 15. I swear, man, he was about 4'2 when it was yeah, all yeah, over. Yeah, that's so funny. You guys want to see PT? Cricket? Yeah. I mean, dude, I laughed and I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. It hurts, man. It's the most painful thing. And like I tell every new comic, despite what audience you're in front of, if you're not confident, you better be good at pretending you are. Yeah. That's all it is, is yeah. when you go up, audiences don't know shit about stand-up, but they know if the guy in front of them looks nervous. They know if the guy in front of them is they can smell it. We're delivering animals. a joke like he's reading it, you know, or he rehearsed it and memorized it. Well, but, okay, there's something to be said. And I always say this, like, there's something to be said about somebody, because I, I remember watching Taylor Tomlinson. I, uh, we were in Tucson, and I remember when she went up, 
And I mean, she didn't change her act from Friday first show to Saturday last show. Not one word, not one inflection, but it was tight. It worked. And I mean, bam, 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 pop, 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 pop. And I go, I just remember watching going, yeah, she's going to be big. And, you know, she is. But I, I, I knew it. I saw her go, she's going to be big. But she didn't change. And, and hey, it worked. I mean, like I said, not one did not, hey, where you got, I mean, bam, 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 same thing. And I'm like, okay, there's nothing to be said for that. It really is. You got it tight. You're ready. So when TV calls, whatever, bam, you're already ready. Okay, it's not my cup of tea because my thing is always, and I think everybody works different. My thing now, though, is, man, sometimes it's like, okay, I'm going to go over my stuff before show, all my jokes, and I don't know what order I'm going to put them in because I want to be surprised. So if I'm surprised, then you're going to be surprised because it's going to like, oh, shit, this, this is not rehearsed some shit. And I can't act like the waitress didn't just drop that, you know, right, right. okay, or this person didn't say that. What the fuck did you say, motherfucker? Or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so sometimes bits come from, and I just think it's unless you're getting ready for a special or the TV, then don't get me wrong. Still have it work where it's working. Something goes into something. But your brain as a comic, it always, it's always boom, boom, boom. Okay, I got to get this. I got to get this. You can't, it doesn't always have to be speeded up, but it doesn't have to be all for rote. And so I like to go with, just go with that feel. You know what I mean? I just remember, and I was in Tucson. I remember the dude bought it. It was a fucking, you know, I, I, and I hate this shit more than anything. When they have uh, those uh, the animals, they call it support animals. Yeah. It, was, it was a German shepherd. Damn. And, and I was like. Yeah, and your people with the history <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> Any other dog, we might not have had a problem here. <laughs> so, so I go, so I go, I go. Hey, man, I go. What happened to the, like to, to the to the German shepherds from the from the war? Like in Germany, like like after the war was over, you can't just have these racist ass dogs just roaming the countryside all willy nilly. And I swear to God, I bent down to tie my shoe, and this motherfucker rose up, and his ears poked up like that. I go. I mean, after I said, I go, what the fuck? Like yeah. he like he heard me say that. Yeah. He was down like this, and then I said, what happened to those uh, the dogs in the, in, in the war? And, and he and the dog. And he's like, you mean my dad? <laughs> you mean my cousin? <laughs> I heard about that. Okay. Right? I think they move. I think all those dogs moved to Florida. It's like a lot of the, just like a lot of the Germans did, or Russians, or whatever they were. I don't know anything about history. Well, if you think about it, those dogs begot those other German shepherds, which became the civil rights movement. I mean, it had to be. It's 20, so, I mean, they all got to be related. They all come from wolves. They, yeah, they're 20 years, there's yeah. 20 years in between those two movements. So, I mean, they had to breed with, so they had to bring them over, right? They had to bring them over and breed with some yeah. other German shepherds. Yeah, they and, did it on purpose, clearly. And to know to attack like that. Yeah. Right? Well, that's why I think that's why I think your people get into uh, pit bulls as much. Because it's like, well, if they ever want to have a dog fight, <laughs> fucking we're going to be ready next time. You know what I mean? If they let that dog, that dog's going to have to deal with my pit bull this time. You know? <laughs> well, I, where the, I should stop. Well, where'd the Rottweiler come in from? Where'd the Rottweiler come in from? I don't know. I don't know. Where, I, I forgot about the Rottweiler. And Doberman's. And, hey, let me tell you something. Doberman's anymore. Okay. Although Butch Bradley does. I should it goes like this. It goes, I, it, was, it goes German Shepherd. Then all of a sudden, the Doberman came. He, he was supposed to be the bad motherfucker. The Doberman came. He was sleek. He was Magnum P.I. too, by the way. Okay. Magnum P.I. inspired the Doberman, which in hindsight, he did the Doberman short shorts and mustache. Like in hindsight. <laughs> Three of the gayest things ever. <laughs> like, I don't know how, as a country, we followed that man. He was a single dude. He was a Ferrari right, right. with short shorts. Well, and his best friend flies a helicopter or whatever. Black. Yeah. I didn't TC? know that part. Right. Yeah. When, when TC? TC? I yeah. fucking love that show. Right? Who didn't like Mal? Yeah, uh, BJ and the Bear and all those stupid BJ, ass shows. Okay, and this is my best friend. How do you have a monkey in a fucking truck? I think, wasn't that after the, um, uh, who's the, the famous Western actor that did the movies? 
every which way. But oh, uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood did all the ones. I think it was after the which ways up. Yeah, they were like, wow, the monkey was so successful in a movie. How about a sitcom <laughs> where a he monkey. rides around in a truck with a monkey? <laughs> Like you know that monkey was blowing him at pit stop at truck stops and, and stuff. loves. Yeah. He's probably mo- selling that monkey ass at truck stops. He's like, break your one nine. Who wants to get their dick sucked by a chimpanzee? Right? <laughs> I might write that down. It might be my new bit. <laughs> I knew my new BJ in the bear pit just in time. It only took me thirty years to think of it. No, nobody's gonna get Nobody it. Will get Second it. show, nobody's gonna get it. How about that? Like, I still know I'm not still an old headliner because I'm smart enough to update my references. Yes. I used to have a Craigslist joke, which is now a Facebook Marketplace joke. <laughs> so I do evolve. All right, it's still the same fucking joke I've been doing for ten years. But what I love is the spark. Is when you think of when you think of something new, and I'll just go ahead and tell you what it is. But I, I had a hernia surgery a couple of years ago, and I was just. My kids like asked me how it was, and I was like, my front hurts. And I was like, nobody ever says their front hurts. So just on stage now, I just say, hey, guys, uh, I got to apologize. I'm not 100%. My front hurts today. And then, of course, they're quiet and silent, like, fucking what? Like, wasn't it weird nobody ever says their front hurts? I'm trying to get it going. I want more people to say that their front hurts. Because when you say your back hurts, people have more questions for you. Or they don't have more questions. They're like, yeah, okay. Who gives a shit? In fact, they don't want to hear about your back. They don't want to hear about your fucking back problems. Yeah. yeah. But when you say your front hurts, they're like, yeah, who? I'm sorry, what? What'd you say? Maybe front parts. Hurts? Maybe front parts. I just say front. And then they say, what part of your front? And I say, just the general front region. And then the end of the joke is I say, I wish I had a job so I could call in sick to work and say that I was calling him sick because my front hurts. Like, I can't come in today, boss. My front is killing me. It's just in that I'm just trying to think of more tags. And then I say, uh, yeah, I got in a car accident when I was 22. My front's been fucked up ever since. I can tell you three days before it rains. That's how fucked up my front is. Um, so I'm, try- I'm trying to just add tags to it. But it's so exciting when you find something new. Yes. And it's working great. And I know nobody's ever done it. I've never heard anybody yeah. do a my front hurt bit. I think it's I'm, thinking, I'm already thinking shirts that just say my front hurts. Ask me why. <laughs> you know, I'm already thinking merchandise. Okay, so h- how do you go about your, your writing process? Like, what do you do? I just think of like, uh, most of it comes up on stage. Like, I may occasionally have ideas that I put down on my phone. But you know that second voice that you develop a bunch of years in where you can be delivering material, but in your head, you're like, when I get home, I'm going to, I'll do laundry first and then I'll feed the dog. Yes. And then oh, next week I'm at the loony bin. I know how shitty I feel when I go there and you're delivering material to an audience. Yes. Well, I've got, I can live in that world. I can be delivering something and be thinking three jokes ahead. And I can actually be like thinking of material while I'm doing jokes. It's so crazy. That's what yes. I love. That's why I'm so addicted to it. And why I love it so much now is because I'm getting to this point where, and bro, I'm just going to say it. When I work Vegas and I take edibles, I'm the best goddamn comedian in the world. I can see shit coming three miles away. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm amazing when I'm on edibles. <laughs> that that t-shirt scared me at first. And then I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> he had the Nazi with the, with the thing. Yeah. And, we, and we just talked about the dog. How great is that? Yeah. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. I wonder if that guy's ears were ringing. <laughs> I wonder if his hoops were ringing. His clippers were ringing. But here, check this out. The only time I've ever, ever, ever came close doing drugs in Vegas, I did edibles. That's right. You've never done anything. Yeah. So I went to this, I went to this uh, dispensary, right? And I said, hey man, it's my first time here. And the guy was like, yeah, I can tell. You ain't able to say that. Yeah, so, nobody says that. And he looked like, he looked like, uh, he looked like, 
like a, a Wiz Khalifa, which is perfect for me, right? Yeah. And he goes, okay, first time. He goes, give me these pineapple thing. He goes, tell you what, first time, just do half of one. And blah, blah. I said, okay, gotcha. I had half one. I didn't feel anything. I go, ah. Classic. So I, so I took three, right? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, hey, gee, have you never heard other comedians tell these jokes? <laughs> but about I was like, eh. Yeah, so, yeah, but, okay. Him. But this is, the, this, is, this is how dorky I am. It's a true story. I take three. So, I'm on the what 34, 34th floor of the of the you know the signature towers had a oh, MGM. Yeah, at Brad. So I'm thinking it's gonna be like on Friday with you know and I'm start doing like like Chris Tucker and like oh shit like when Hector gave me that shit. So <laughs> I swear to God. I locked myself in my room. I double. I locked it like that. The balcony door so you didn't jump out. Not the balcony, but I don't have a balcony. You get a balcony, dude. You don't get a balcony because you're white. No, no, no. You just <laughs> ask them for the balcony, and. Sometimes they'll give it to you for free, and sometimes it's an extra eighty dollars for the week. It's fucking worth it. Yeah, it is. Dude, anyway. I fucked so many chicks on that balcony, thirty six <laughs> floors up, just banging bitches. There's nothing like that. That's the conversation I've been wanting to have with a I like for a, the past ten years. I like a whore that's not afraid of heights. That's what I like. <laughs> that's the ideal woman. God. Someone will blow you thirty five <laughs> floors up. That's a keeper in my book. So I take three, right? I lock myself in. I go, and I go, okay, okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it, right? So I swear to God, I, I go, I'm at the desk, you know, watch TV. And I thought my elbow went like this. Mm-hmm. And I went, huh? And I got in my bed and I curled like this. And that's the end of that story. So you wasted the buzz. You Basically, wasted yeah. So You're I went, in Vegas, I went, dude. You should have went out and looked at the lights. Like you'd, nah. you should have ate food. Food would have tasted better. I thought I would have jumped out, so I didn't. I mean, that's, yeah, seriously. So, yeah. So well, you do drink occasionally. You have your mojitos, right? Y- your mojitos. Yeah. Oh, we, we, me and him worked together in, uh, in Toledo. Luckily, the hotel literally was, what, 200 feet away? Mm-hmm. I think I had no less than six mojitos oh, at yeah, night. Yeah. And I, for, to a guy that didn't drink, the first ship, I got a buzz. Boy, I think it's one of the first times ever I was on stage and I was like, uh-oh. And I was kind of buzzy. I mean, I was like that, that, that fighter that's like this. Oh, the yeah, champ yeah. has been rocked. And I literally crawled back to my hotel and I remember throwing up like at four in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. but it yeah, was, That's a lot of mojitos. But it's mojito, so it yeah. comes out all fresh and minty. So I, yeah. I threw up. Your breath, at least your breath was solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the funny bones. I was at the point with the funny bones where I was headlining off nights and then opening for big names on the weekends at the bones. And then occasionally I would get headline weeks in Toledo and a couple of the the shittier funny bones, not to be that guy, but the lower end bones. But, and then, uh, and I would try to get headline dates, but you know, Stroop back in the day would be like, you know, you don't have any credits. I can't, it's hard for me to do it, but it's also hard for me to middle you because you're making it hard for these people that are famous but not fucking very. Or great. they come out from L.A. They come I mean, out you, from L.A. You don't get that with New York comics. New York comics. Uh, New York comics. Is that all you got? Yeah, yeah, they're good. Yeah, I don't no, think they're I go, great. I think Pete Corielli. I went in there thinking I was going to blow Pete Corielli away. It's like you're not going to blow Pete Corielli away. He's a New York comic. He's more polished than anybody. New York like, comics. Period. If they come from New York, New York, Boston area. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. And they're usually cooler anyway. So you didn't like. And that's the thing, people. <laughs> yeah, I used to head hunt all the time at the funny bones you put me with so-and-so that plays third player on some tv show i'm gonna try to fuck that guy's world up i want a headline you know i remember godfrey said to me we did like two shows together and after the second show he's like god damn you're good he's like are they like starting to headline you at all the funny bones i'm like fucking no <laughs> like no yeah. i barely i barely feature him and he's like 
they're not grooming. It seems like they, they'd be grooming you to headline. I'm like, you'd think so. But but again, Godfrey's old school, too. So he's still thinking the old business model. Like, if you're good, yes. you get promoted. Exactly. It's I, not, you don't get promoted if you're good now. I also remember when I, I, I just happened to be listening, I think, the serious satellite radio at the time. They were interviewing Godfrey. And he was, I think he said he was at, uh, I think it was the, the Virginia Beach Funny Bone. I think Tim Northern was featuring, or, you know. I love going, Tim Northern. I know. And he goes, I think at the end of the week, Tim, t- or during the week sometime, Tim said, hey, man, uh, you know, I just kind of like, um, you know, taking it easy on you. And Godfrey was like, what? He Godfrey goes, Godfrey of all people. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I love, I love them both, but God damn, Tim. And I, I want to feel like Tim was fucking around. I, I don't know. But it is, but this is coming from Godfrey's mouth, but it's on the radio. So who yeah, knows? Okay. Yeah. But, but, I, but I remember hearing that and Godfrey was like, what? He goes, man, I'm going up at one in the morning after people like a tell and this and that. So you take it easy on what? Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's the thing about it, man. Their, their material is so just, it's fucking gutty and it's fucking gre- well written. I, I mean, I feel like Tim might have been saying that sarcastically. I don't know. Like but, when a guy murders after you, it's like, yeah, hey, I left you a little some. Apparently, you know, I, mean, I warmed them up for you. It's like saying I, I cracked open that pickle jar before you actually opened. Yeah. I loosened them up yeah. for you. That's why you did that well. Well, I don't know because I mean, like I said, it, it was Godfrey telling the story. So who knows? I yeah, mean, who I, knows? God, Godfrey likes to embellish, but yeah, I mean, yeah. who knows? Who knows? I mean, that's what comedy is—is is embellishment. My God, that's why when they started taking comedy so seriously a bunch of years ago, I was like, "What are you doing?" Well, you know why? We're literally not supposed to be taken seriously. Well, it's you know comedy. why though? Because we're the only ones that are attainable to touch. If you think about it, okay, the spoken word. The spoken word is the most, it's more abrasive. Okay, with a song, you can get away with Christine 16. They're yeah, not yeah. fucking a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, you but, fuck but it's kids in music. Yeah, but it, <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of pedos in music. Yes, okay. I'm not even talking about Michael Jackson. And, no, and no, one, no one say anything about it. But the spoken word, the spoken, and we're the only ones that are at this level where they can go, okay, we can get this guy. All right, because we're up there alone. We don't have a band with us. We don't have a melody. It's us speaking the spoken word. Yeah. And and that's why they can come after us because we're, we're basically we're I always say we're the Navy SEALs of comedy, man. Everything else is like all entertainment is pretty much military, but we're the Navy SEALs in that. Hey, we're up there alone, bro. Right. We got and, no and help. It, yeah, we get no help. So if we say something piss you off, we're the only ones that when it's all over, you can wait after the show. Go, I want to talk to you funny, funny, man. You know, yeah. to, to a band. Well, Jim Norton brought up an amazing point one time. He goes, how come an actor can like portray a rape in a movie and get a fucking Oscar for it. But if I write a joke that's anti-rape, yeah, I get canceled for it. Like, how, how does that make any sense? Like, I'm not, up there, I'm not up there saying rape is rad, dude. We should all do it. By the way, it's a bad time to be heard outside the door, <laughs> a window here. But, you know, I, I, the idea of censorship in any way, it just bugs the shit out of me. But, I, you know, I conform to it. Yeah, well, well, it's great. To me, it's a great thing about living in Indiana or one of those tough ass states where they cancel. How the fuck we can get canceled in Indiana? I gotta have something for you to cancel. You know, how the fuck? What you can't go to a monster truck show? Touch and go time in America. I mean, if I had a dollar for every gender there is right now, I'd have two (laughs) dollars. That's the joke that's gonna get me canceled right there. So that joke, I've done that all over the country. I did that joke in North Carolina at a theater and got. A half a standing ovation in the middle of the show. Wow. They loved it. I did it in St. Paul. Fucking nothing. Yeah. Got nothing. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, I, but here's but the- it, it's By the way, it's a joke whether I tell it in North Carolina or St. Paul. It's a joke both places. Yes. But one place is like... Mm, Mm-mm-mm-mm. And they, I, to me, they don't hear. They Just don't hear. Listen to the joke. Listen to the joke. joke. But, but at the same time, you know what, though? And I'm all for, I'm all for, hey, everybody. But at the same time, to me, 
it, it, it's always it's the men transitioning women or the men trans that are always a problem. It, it, if, if you noticed, well, the sports. No, I mean, yeah, you're, okay. you're into sports, but so yeah. Lesbians never bitch about shit. Mm-hmm. Think, okay, but, okay, but tra- for, for trans men, men trans, and not a joke. I said I, I'm so old school. I remember when if you had a penis, you were considered a man. Nothing. That's a great joke. But, the, but yeah, I, I said it, and, and I got nothing. I go, really? You motherfuckers going to really? Yeah. Gonna Where do did you say that? Here. I was out here oh, at Helium. Okay. Oh, at Helium. Yeah, okay. I said it, and I was like, ah, fuck you guys. Because I go, that's a good But anyway, so, but at the same time, it's like, okay, if you look at where all the, the controversy, it's always men transitioning women, all right, wanting to be in sports, uh, change the bathrooms, right? Lesbians never say shit. The only thing they say is, hey, could you get our friend out of jail? That's all we want. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's ever like the actual group. It's just people like on Twitter that are like, trying to fight no, for him. It's, like it's never the actual group on Twitter. Like it's never the actual group that like the joke is about or the, there's like a group of people on Twitter that it, are like trying to I, fight for them that are call them captain save a hole. Basically. Yeah. It's the, on. I'm doing this on behalf of, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Cause I, cause I am, I'm a I freedom mean, some fighter. Would, some would say that's a, what black lives matter is, but whatever. I'm not trying to get <laughs> canceled or anything, but some would say it's very similar, you know, <laughs> See, that's, you might have to edit these parts no, out. Don't I don't that. See, that's the thing. I no. want to say, like, I want. I love Gallo's humor. I love the worst possible thing. But I that's. Love I, but I like thing. that, and I, and I hate that. That's like oh. n- now I see stuff now, and like I said, man, I, I like. Remember in the very beginning when it was called alternative comedy, right? And there was a big thing about it. I liked it in the sense of, hey, these guys are going up and just. You know, it's not the traditional blah, 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 blah. And I like that, mm-hmm. all right? And now that has woven its way into the mainstream. And so now it's like, but like I said, I had to adjust my funny. Like, okay, is that funny? Okay, is that funny? And the only thing that keeps me like, okay, this is funny, funny, is it's always, it's always David Tell. Yeah. To me, David Tell is always, okay, this is funny. Everybody agrees it's funny. I think the better, uh, another good barometer is uh, Louis C.K. Um, to me, that he's dude, the greatest. I don't care like, what I says. He's, to me... He's the greatest, right? And I, I, and of all time, he's definitely to me, to me, to me, he's top three all time. Yeah, it's him and Burr and Pryor. I, I I was I was too young for Pryor. I didn't really get a lot. Yeah, you of didn't it. get that shit because you ain't black, bro. Okay, well then, how do you expect? To, how do you explain his success? Because he's successful because us whites embraced him. Okay, because it was white. The original you white guys guilt. can't get over without that white guilt. All right, and that's got to make you feel bad. A little I bit, a little bit. No, but say, no, but go ahead, go about Louis C.K. because I, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm well, this is the, what's so amazing about him is he talks about all the deep dark shit. He's like, you know, he talked about how in the, in the Saturday Night Live monologue, how Dude. in the '70s everybody was a little racist. Like it was just that wouldn't even. I'm talking about the the, the, the pedophile, the, the pedophile yeah, bit. Yeah. How he got I away with that? He was doing it. Man, that to me, I go. When it was over, I go. That's why he's the greatest. That's yeah. why he makes the. That's why he makes the big money. Yep, exactly. Because to to do that material without saying a curse word and to get that deep in it and still get laughs and know where they're going to get offended and know how to come. Uh, hey, well, okay, no, for them, for them. He yeah. goes. It must be great for them, for them, for, for them, them, for them, for, for them, them for man. Me. Yeah. But how he did the yeah, how he did like okay, here's our racist we were in the seventies. If you see like uh, like a pizza place owned by a black woman, you go, oh. Yeah, how great right. is that? So, so we were, we were racist subtly. I think that was that the bit he said they were yeah, subtly, subtly racist yeah, like, or something. I don't know. Yeah, I just love the fact that he got canceled for what he did, or whatever, like quote unquote canceled, and then he came back and the Never album, remember. the especially came back with was like, dude, Wh- do you know you got canceled? Which do you know one? You shouldn't? Which one? The one he just won the fucking Grammy. For. No, which like which one? Okay, there's the, there's sorry and there's uh uh sincerely. He won it for the sincerely. first the, sincerely. Is yeah. the first one sincerely? Yeah, yeah. My he won God, it for the first one. It was brutal. It was great. I was like, 
Does he like? Did his management tell him what happened to his career? Because he's saying shit in this that could get him recanceled. Dude, let me tell you, and something. I loved it. Man. I, I, I watch him, and I just and he's literally one of the ones I want to uh, throw my notebook away. I go, what the fuck am I doing? Oh, dude, there's that so many guys like that where I see him, and I'll be ten minutes in, and I'll just be like, well, I'm a fraud. Uh, I'm not doing anything up there. I'm doing nothing. Like, okay, okay, here we go. So many before we get here. For you, for you, right now, for you, right now, either top five, top five, either right now or of all time, uh, top of your head. It's always rotating, but I got to go. I got to throw a tell in there because I've listened to Skanks for the Memories, that album, 73 million times. Yes. Patrice O'Neill's in there. Elephant in the Room is oh, one of the greatest God. comedy specials ever. ever produced. Nobody would have thrived more in the hashtag Me Too and the transgender and the Black Lives Matter. Nobody would have thrived more than Patrice motherfucking O'Neill. What a tragedy that we didn't get to hear his opinions on all of those things. He would he would have murdered it. He'd be the biggest comic in the world, and he'd be the guy that's going against the grain. That's what I always loved about him. But I got to throw Brian Regan in there. Did I throw Regan in there? Fuck. Um, Regan is so good. Yeah, I mean, I do appreciate Pryor and Carlin. Like I said, I was too young. I didn't really understand what Carlin was talking about. It was too much about politics. I didn't fucking know what he's talking right, about. Right, right. That's why I loved Robin Williams when I first saw him, because I was like, oh, you can be silly and be a comedian. You don't have to be smart intellectually. You yeah. can just, even though he was, but you yeah. don't, you can just be a fucking dork up there, a goofball. I didn't know that was possible. Before that, it was all skinny, tied white guys telling real jokes. You yeah. know? That's why I embraced the, uh, the alternative thing, because it was like after a while, like enough already with just lame comedy. It was all such vanilla, lame comedy. Up, just, yeah, and just the same bullshit. I, with, for the label, I've had to produce a lot of records from those old TV shows, the evenings at the improvs and all of that, and they were all doing the same hacky bullshit, and it was all really mediocre, real milquetoast shit. Yes. And then around the 90s on a lot of these shows, things started changing. You started seeing the Janines, the David Crosses, and uh, the David Spades, and all these guys came yeah. out who would be our next big crop of movie stars or whatever. But, yeah, it's interesting. And what I think is a real danger in going after comedians, and I always give this example, like, we're the ones that take subjects that are uncomfortable for the world, and we make them funny so we can all be laughing about it. Now we can at least talk about it. And it started with, I produced um, the... Um, God damn it, the roast, the Dean Martin roast okay. back in the day. Oh, my gosh, with Rickles? The way that they would treat Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> would never be tolerated yeah. today. But they were doing, the jokes they were making were the worst case, the worst jokes you could make. But keep in mind, Sammy couldn't stay in the same fucking hotels as them. Yeah. Like, he had to stay He all, had to come through the kitchen. Yeah, and he had to come through the kitchen. So the fact that these guys, these comedians had the balls to make these jokes on fucking television and make all of America laugh about something that's horrible, racism. But now that we're laughing, maybe we could talk about it now. It's not so taboo once you're laughing. I saw it in the 90s or in the 80s with AIDS. I saw it like, and this is just my experience from editing and producing all these records like AIDS and uh, just being gay was a big thing. Yeah. Re retard, there was a big thing, big span where everybody's talking about retarded people, which, you know, is obviously a bad thing, but at least people laughed about it and they became more aware that, look, you, know, you can't call them retarded. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's like, no, I just, I like we, mean, yeah. we, are, we are that conduit. We're the thing between the scary thing and the public and we're supposed to make it funny so we can talk about it. And now they're attacking us for trying to make these uncomfortable subjects funny so we can talk about it. We're just doing the job that comedians have been doing since the beginning of time. If it's done right. Us. If it's done right and you don't preach. I don't care what you talk about, don't preach. 
I mean, I, 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 there's comics, uh, no names, but I, I go, okay, he's great. But God, here we go with this preaching shit. If I want to get pre- I go to church and I want to go to church. That's why I've never like really dug politics, like political comment, comics, yeah. comics, like, you know. Well, you know what you're going into with political, with political, you know what you're going into, but I don't care what you talk about as long as it's fucking yeah, funny. Yeah, that's true too. But, I mean, but, I, but after a while it does get preachy. It does get, you know, like if you're. I've seen like recovering alcoholics get up and do 20 minutes on recovery. And it's like, you know, you're entertaining a room full of fucking drunks. Right. And the <laughs> last thing they want to hear is that they're making the wrong choices, even though they are. <laughs> they don't want to hear it. Yeah. They get that same speech yeah. from their parents. Yeah. You know, you drink too much. Yeah. I don't know. What, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you think you, has been your biggest, uh, your biggest uh, 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 crutch, I guess? I'm like, what's stopped you from being up there? Uh, from uh, 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 going to the other level to where they go, oh shit, fucking Murphy's here. I got to get them tickets. Cause no offense, I, I put myself in the same boat, and that's why that's why I wanted you on here. Cause man, when we saw each other in Tulsa, god damn, it was good to sit there, eat, and just talk shop. Yeah, motherfucker, I I love that. I mean, I I like to talk three things, and comedy's one of them. And yeah. I, I could talk to you forever about comedy. Exactly. I hate it when you had to leave. I go, fuck. Man. I only have the one thing. You at least have the other two. <laughs> I only have the one. I can only talk to you about comedy. I have no other. Well, I could talk UFC a little bit. I could talk a little. Oh, yeah. A little bit of fighting, but I'm not like a martial arts. Like, I'm not knowledgeable or anything. I just know a little. But yeah, that's comedy. Is like, I don't. That's why I love. That's what I've loved about comedy is like when I was growing up, I didn't play organized sports. Obviously, I wasn't in a gang or anything that I didn't really have. I was kind of friends with everybody, but not friends with a lot of people. And when I found comedy, all of a sudden, I had this camaraderie with people I, I had only known for like minutes. Like you walk yeah, okay. into a club and I'm like, oh, you're a comic. What's up? I shake hands. I'm immediately friends with that guy because I know he's slept in his car. I know he's done all the shit I've done. And so there's just this immediate brotherhood. And now it's hard to like, I'm still cool. Obviously, I don't take this the wrong way. I'm cool with young comics, but we're not the same. You're not sleeping in your car. You're yeah. doing open mics and you're not doing anything else. And you're you're focusing on your podcast like you're not even fucking funny yet. Why do you have a podcast? You're not even a funny person yet. Even f- and you see, but you see it's the followers. Like, you go, how the fuck do you get twenty thousand? And that's the thing, though. That's why I sound like an old person. But the people that follow those people, they're funny enough for that person. They don't care. That's good enough for them. And we were afraid. Like, this is what I was saying about the funny bones. Is uh, you know, I was opening or headlining the off nights and then opening for big names, and then the YouTube stars started coming in, and it started being uh to where those off nights started going to YouTube and TikTok stars and stuff. And we all as comics were like, yeah, that's good for now, but wait till those crowds come in and find out that Dan TDM's not funny. Yeah, guess what? They don't give a fuck if Dan TDM's not funny. They don't care. He's not funny on on his show when he's playing video games. They show up, he plays video games for 20 minutes, he takes questions for 20 minutes, and he walks out with 20 grand. And they go, oh, it was good. And they fucking love it. They're like, I saw Dan TDM. They don't give a shit if he's funny or not. And that's why, you know, I go, good for them. And I don't think about it. You, you got to stay in your lane or, you know, try to expand. Your, obviously, try to expand. But it's like, okay, because I can't, I don't like to hate on people because I, I don't think it's good Yeah, for I don't me. hate on them because the business is changing. It's yeah. not like they're going to go, well, I don't want to be successful doing this because BT and Mike Merrifield still haven't made it and they've earned, they've worked for it. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck. They're doing what they're doing them. And I get it. The thing, it's changing. And I know I sound like an old guy because I don't like Instagram, you know, I don't do Instagram yeah. and all that I know shit. you don't. I follow you and I'm like, what's this motherfucker? Would he ever post, please? Well, you know, I posted for a while and all it always got me in trouble. It always got gigs taken away because I would try to be funny. 
You know my sense of humor. Yes. I come off as an asshole, but I'm trying to be funny. Okay, but but people can't. No, if you were famous though, then they oh, would laugh. Fam- if you were famous, thing. they would laugh. That's the same thing. Then I, it's exactly what you said earlier. I'm like, I everybody thinks what I say is terrible, and then I see some famous guy tweet something very similar, seventy two thousand fucking retweets. I'm like, when I say it, I get canceled. So. Yeah. It, it is what it is. I, I don't want to be a guy that complains about everything. But man, man that's, I, that's why I wanted you on here, dude. I mean, honestly, this was the conversation I needed to have. I mean, I, I love all. I mean, anybody that comes on this show, especially when I reach out cold to them and they agree to come on here. I love all my guests, but God damn it. I love having this conversation because I, I still love the fucking game. I love it. I'm I love it. To it. I've tried almost every drug except like PCP and maybe a couple other. Comedy's better than all of them, dude. Comedy's the greatest. I've probably one. done comedy on all of those drugs. <laughs> and the second you get on stage and you get a couple of laughs, those drugs fade away. And now you're on the comedy drug. It's yeah. different. It's the greatest shit in the world. It's, uh, if I wasn't addicted to it, why would I sleep in my fucking car and yeah. drive three days for $200 to get? That sounds like meth head behavior. That sounds like, <laughs> sounds like heroin yeah. behavior to go yeah. that far to do a drug. Well, like you. alienating my family, being away, missing so many family events and Thanksgivings and Easter. Easters and I but, mean that's something a drug addict would do. I'm hooked on what it feels like to make people three hundred strangers laugh. It's the fucking best feeling in the world. It is the greatest. I mean, honestly, and it's, like I said, this is the conversation I needed to have. Not even on some on some you know bullshit, but it's, it's the truth because it's like you don't I, like when the pandemic came. Like I said, man, the pandemic was good in the sense of it made me appreciate this fucking job, right? And making people laugh and that, and that smile and you know and somebody going, man, I just want to say I was having a shitty day and. I needed this. And you kind of want to go, what happened? You go, ah, fuck it. Thanks. Dude, you know, there was a lady in Milwaukee early on. I'm like eight years in. And she came up afterwards. She goes, I just want to tell you, my husband died last week. And this is the first time I've gone an hour without crying. And I didn't think about it one time when you were on stage. And I just want to thank you for that. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, I just did that for a person, you know? Yeah. And, I'm, and I benefited, too, because I got to hear the laughs. Like, holy shit, what a win-win. That's the other thing. If there's a heaven, I think we'll get in. I mean, we've brought joy to thousands and thousands of people. I mean, Vince Champ won't get in. <laughs> but I think most comics will get in. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if anybody knows who Vince Champ is. No, they is. don't. They don't know who Vince Champ is. I don't know if, you know if I'm starting to believe in heaven anymore. I'm like, I, you know, like I look at everything now, I go, stereotypically, black people are the most religious. I mean, not stereotypically, it's the truth, but I think, has that really worked out for well, us? That's really ironic that you guys have such a faith in a God that seems to have let you down so many times I, throughout I, history. I have a bit that says, like, <laughs> my buddy, Billy D, his dad was a minister. And I go, I told him, I said, man, I don't, I don't think I believe anymore. He goes, oh, man, he goes, he goes, he goes, religion, that's what got the slaves to slavery. I go, that's a bad example. I go, there had to be one atheist slave, like, hey, man, when's your boy showing up? Are you sure there's a God? Because <laughs> yeah, me and you were both in the same place. I don't even believe. Matter of fact, I'm going to sell your ass out so I can go yeah. serve some mint and juleps in the big house. I don't think God would want these chains to hurt my <laughs> arms so much, man. Or watch my master fuck my wife. Well, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> what a, I knew I always ruined it. What a bad time <laughs> in history that was. <laughs> anyway. Hey, but I just found out that I might be 25% Mexican. Do you see it in me at all? No. Now, this is going to be the weirdest thing ever, but there's a controversy on who my real grandfather is. Oh, my, apparently my grandma was out there giving that poor her <laughs> But there was some controversy. Like, my dad didn't know who his real dad was. And then on his wedding day, some guy showed up and said, I'm your real dad. But we all question it. And my mom throws me a curveball the other day. And she goes, well, I always kind of thought that your dad might be Mexican because he's very dark skinned. Like, and I tan like a motherfucker. 
And I have pictures. In fact, there was a baseball player when I was young that looked just like my dad, and he was Mexican. And I was I would always say that this is my dad. I would tell kids that was my dad, but so she's like, I think there's a chance maybe your grandma banged some Mexican dude. I'm like, are you telling me? At, <laughs> are you telling me at 50 that I might be a quarter Mexican? Like, what a thing to find out in the you know in the towards the end of your life, for God's sakes. <laughs> no, it's funny you say because you, you know, you're from Wisconsin, and I remember seriously, uh, one of the girls I one of my girlfriends was from Wisconsin, and I remember having Christmas dinner over her house. Right. And her grandma was in her grandma just gives me the evil eye, but she's about to die. And she was a real racist. As a matter of fact, uh, her her mom, uh, my girlfriend's mom, was like she fell in love with this Mexican dude. Right. Back when they were back in the day, she loved him. But she knew uh, you know, her grandma. So so they, you know, didn't make it. So she ended up getting married twice, divorced. Her mom died. She through Facebook. She met the Mexican dude. Now they're married and they're together. Nice. And I think it's kind of fucked that you got to wait for a parent to die so you can live oh, the I've life heard, you I've heard that the... before, too. Yeah. That's well, really now fun. that my parents are dead, I can blow dudes. <laughs> well, that's not good. Don't you think your parents would want to see you happy? <laughs> right? Man, God I mean, damn it. We're, we're getting started on some good shit, but we got to yeah, go. We got to right. go. God damn it. I'll come back. Please, no. I mean, honestly, please, we got to have a part two, dude. We could talk comedy all, all day. Ladies Unless there's another rally. I don't <laughs> want to come back. I'm, I will not help protect this building. <laughs> my guest, Mike Mary, if you get a chance, uh, he doesn't check it, but go his Instagram is uh, I go occasionally everything's Mike Merrifield on everything and check my- out the stand-up journeyman it is on YouTube for free but I'd rather you go on Amazon and pay for it <laughs> I'm not trying to brag but I've made 36 bucks so far so, so please I'm a moving on up. please check please check out my me amigo Mike Merrifield check him out he's seriously one of the funniest guys I've ever worked with and one of the coolest and we always talk shop it always makes me laugh Mike Merrifield thank you for stopping in thanks for having thank me thank you guys for watching Tales from a Gemini you know the word how we do peace